You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a Wednesday episode of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am Brian Brown. We have a show for you today. That show has content in it. I'm going to tell you what that content is right now. The youth snap a commitment from Juco wing boss and Holt. What's next for the program? Are they in the money with anybody else at this point in time? And how good is Boston Holt? What's his ceiling? What position might he play for the University of Utah next season? Also, in conference news, Oliver Luck, rumors continue to percolate around the internet that he'll become the next commissioner of the Pac-12. What exactly is his resume and what could Luck bring to the table if he was chosen as commissioner? Lastly, we're going to talk a little bit about a midweek showdown between Utah and UVU and also run down a little bit of what the football program is up to at this point in time and what to expect as things move forward with them. All that on a Wednesday episode of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Wednesday, May 12th, 2021. On News Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, brought to you by the Locked On Pack 12 Podcast co-host Brian Brown, Mondays and Wednesdays, right here, recommending that you go out and take a listen to the Locked On Pack 12 Podcast, hosted by my good friend, my homegirl, the uh, the Queen Bee of the Pack 12 Hive, Cindy Robinson. Five episodes a day. There's no better place to go get your Pack 12 news. This week, Cindy and I are breaking down transfers in, transfers out uh, across the conference. You'll always get a good amount of Utah talk when I'm on board. And it's fun because Cindy went to Wazoo and USC. And I respect Wazoo and I hate USC. So there's a lot of good times to be had there. Give it a listen. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app or go hit us up on Odyssey. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. The Odyssey app is a great app for podcast subscriptions. The University of Utah got some news. The basketball program specifically got some news as they picked up a commitment from Coffeyville Community College product, Boston Holt, a 6'7 wing combo forward uh, from the JUCO ranks. And it was kind of an out-of-nowhere pickup where typically we kind of have an idea something's coming or, or maybe someone will give us a little bit of a heads up that this is a candidate to commit or or something along those lines and there was nothing about that coming down the pipe for for Boston Holt surprise pickup uh watched a little bit of his tape he is an intriguing prospect I think after all was said and done Steve Bartle the illustrious Steve Bartle friend of the program Steve Bartle will someday be on the program Steve Bartle he uh, did an interview with one of the uh, Coffeville assistant coaches, Kyle Campbell, to kind of get an idea of what Utah is getting in him. Said he was a 6'7 combo forward that can play the 3 or 4. And hearing that makes it make a lot more sense to me because he is a pretty big-bodied guy. He does have some athleticism and some ability to get downhill and take guys off the dribble. He doesn't elevate extremely well uh, 
Like, you know, I think there's a type of elevation that we look at. You know, Jeremy Evans, I think, for anybody who watched Utah Jazz, is the pinnacle of of getting up and getting up quickly. Uh, Zion Williamson, one of the big factors that makes him such a big deal is his ability to get up and off the bounce quickly, especially on his second jump. Uh, I don't think that Boston has a tremendous ability to get off the floor quickly. He can get up. And you can watch the tape and see that he's got some, he's definitely got some skill set. He kind of reminds me of a, a poor man's Timmy Allen, but with a better shooting stroke. And he can shoot the ball pretty decently from outside the three point line. Uh, he didn't shoot a ton from three. He shot 43.5% from the three point range. Probably the other clinching component about Holt is that he comes from a winning program. Coffeeville won the NJCAA title this year. That's a big plus where you've got a guy who was averaging almost 10 points, 7 rebounds, and 2 assists in 24 minutes while shooting about 57% from the field for an NJCAA winner. I think the last time that Utah got a JUCO guy that was from a championship program, if I'm not mistaken, it was Tyler Rawson. And Tyler Rawson ended up being a great, great fit for the University of Utah, just a tough, hardworking kid. Uh, Rawson also didn't bring a ton of elite athleticism to the table. Now, that's a big difference with Holt. I think Holt does have some athleticism. His first step is great. Uh, I think he can defend one through four for the most part, so you can switch a lot with him. That'll be very beneficial. Uh, Coffeeville went 27-3 and with that national championship, and uh, to be able to do that through a year like COVID, I, I know that everybody's sick of hearing this from me. This is going to be a year that we're going to talk about for a very long time for how different it was. I've never heard Kyle Whittingham sound so bewildered and exasperated like he was this 2020 COVID year. And and so if you're hearing from Kyle Whittingham and hearing from all these other coaches that it was a really big deal, then it was. And so that has to be played and factored into things. So to be able to go that far, to do that much in, in that kind of thing, they had won five games in six days to win the national championship. It's a tremendous accomplishment. Uh, his coach also told Steve Bartle, and you can read the entire article over at UteZone.com as, as you should be going there every day for your Utah news in addition to listening to this. He said he's an overall good, good kid, said a quote from Coach Campbell. He's a great kid, comes from a great family. Mom and dad were great and supported us all season long. And I literally just printed off grades in Boston, just graduated with a 3.53 GPA. Great student and just handles his business on and off the court. So this fits an MO. I think it's a guy that can play multiple positions, and we're starting to see this happen more and more with the players that they're starting to bring in to the University of Utah. And now things, the picture is starting to make sense a little bit more for me. I, I was sure of the one thing. They want to build a good culture there. And so there is some belief in my mind that from the top down, they believe that Utah needs to rebuild the culture of what was there in the program. Um, so they're bringing in good culture fits, guys who bring in character, uh, I think the running joke with Larry was always no turds and, and for lack of, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to keep referring back to that era cause it's over and done with, but that seems to be the continuing mindset that they want to bring in good players, good people, good culture fits into the program, guys that they have a solid background with and, or have enough, uh, evidence that they will be the, that kind of a good culture fit moving forward. And it seems that Holt is that kind of a fit for them. He'll have three years to play three here at the University of Utah. So he'll get for sure a year here to prove himself next year. I think he'll 
possibly be a rotational guy. I think his ability to play three and four serves him incredibly well because if he can play the four effectively, that's a good matchup nightmare for the University of Utah and their basketball program. We'll have to wait and see how guys develop because I don't know if you can really go with a six, seven, four man that often in the Pac-12 because if you're playing teams like USC, for example, who had the Mobley brothers, they were seven foot, six ten, six ten across the front line. So, and that's not the norm across all of the Pac-12, but it is across uh, a lot of teams. There's just a lot of length and a lot of depth there. But he can play multiple positions. He's got some handles. He's got some good skill set. He can bring the ball up the court and initiate the offense. And this is what we're seeing. We're seeing guys that can play multiple roles, that can fill multiple positions. Raleigh Wooster, I think, can play some one and some two. Marco Anthony can play a couple different positions, wing, two and three. Uh, Brandon Carlson, I think the hope will be that he can play four a little bit and maybe some five if they can get another big man. Uh, Stephon Mitchell seems to be a guy that can play a little bit of positional guys, but the needs still stand. They still need to go out and get a good ball-dominant guard, and they have one on the hook in Tijon Lucas. Lucas is a Milwaukee transfer. He's a super senior. He He's played at a couple different schools throughout his career. Uh, he has a year of eligibility remaining, so he'd be a one and done. So that kind of makes him, in my mind, a little bit more enticing than some of the others. Average 15.6 boards, five rebounds, shot 40% from the field. Uh, he listed his top five schools as BYU, Utah, Nevada, DePaul, New Mexico State, with a final decision coming soon in the tweet that he tweeted out. Uh, he could be a great fit at, at a point guard position. I think where we're getting to is that Utah just has to find guys who can create shots, and that's where they're really lacking at the moment. And I think that he can do just that. So if that's a possibility along with uh, Stephon Mitchell, then that would be a great get. Uh, Remy Martin entered into the transfer portal, the Arizona State guard. He would be the kind of player that I think Utah would absolutely need to identify and nab in order to really rebuild the program to be competitive next year. That's the level of player that I'm looking for the, them to go get in order to realign my expectations for the team. In the meantime, they've assembled a good core group of guys, and if they can go add one or two really legitimate scorers and, and, and dynamic players, it could really do a lot for the program. At this point in time, I don't think Boston Holtz is a guy to get extremely excited over. I don't necessarily think that John Lucas is a guy to get incredibly excited over. These are good role players, and right now, Utah has the kind of roster that would compete and dominate at the G5 level, no problem. Uh, my opinion is that you have to have good talent to win a few games in the Pac-12. You just have to have those games where your guys aren't all firing on all cylinders and you have that guy who has the talent to just kind of take over a game. And we've seen that over and over again, that if you have that elite dynamite player uh, in the Pac-12, that it really does play favorably to your team and to your ability to win out through the conference. And the difficulty is that this is not a pushover conference anymore and I don't know that last year's uh, last year's performance in the NCAA tournament will be enough to get the kind of appreciation that the conference needs in order to get four five and six teams into the into the NCAA tournament every year so 
Those will be remaining to see. That remains to be seen what will happen in terms of recruiting. As we talked about yesterday, there's still plenty of time to go get guys. But I think that Holt fits a nice position of being able to be versatile and and play multiple positions and do multiple things on the court. And that does allow him an opportunity to really develop at Utah. And hopefully when he gets here, somebody sends him a box of Built Bars because Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the planet. I love it because it helps me stay satisfied when I'm getting those sugary cravings. And I'm going to confess something, gang. I, I slipped up yesterday and ate a handful of M&M's, M&M, peanut M&M's mixed with some peanut butter. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, yes, that, that was a debate that happened at some point in time. Don't judge me on my decisions. But one handful led to two, two handfuls led to three, and by the time the end of the afternoon rolled around, I was for sure crashing from my heavy sugar intake. And that's the best part about Built Bar. It's whey protein, it's under 200 calories, less than 5 grams of sugar, so it is keto-friendly, it uh, has that good whey protein in it, and so it's a much better, safer, healthier snack for you when you get that sugary craving. I wish that Built Bar had a Built M&M because that would be delicious as well, and they'd probably have 18 amazing flavors in that as well. So you've heard it enough on here. Just bottom line, go to BuiltBar.com. You'll see that all the hosts across the Locked On Network promote it and love it, and we enjoy it. The bars really are just very tasty. I hope it's the kind of bar that fits your style. If not, I will gladly take whatever you don't want off of your hands because I love Built Bars. The best deal about Built Bar is you can go to their website right now. You can get a 15% discount on your order by using the promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15, all one word, for a Built Bar discount on whatever your next order is. Head over there now. It's BuiltBar.com. Built Bar for the healthy choice inside of you. Let's get built. Coming back at it here on the Locked On Utes podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. And there are rumors floating around the internet that Oliver Luck is the lead candidate for the Pac-12 commissioner. Now, depending on who you go through, who your sources are, that's a name that we've heard from essentially since the beginning. Uh, John Wilner of uh, the, the Hotline, part of the San Jose Mercury News, has let it be known that the company that is basically running the show in helping hire the uh, the next Pac-12 commissioner has been very tight-lipped about who the candidates are, and it has not been easy to get information about that. Now, the fact that Luck's name continues to circu- circulate leads me to believe that either Luck has interest and he's continually dropping his name out there, or that he's a legitimate candidate. And there are debating factions on whether or not Andrew Luck is a good candidate. In my opinion, I think he is. And the argument from a lot of people say that the XFL demise was was because of Oliver Luck. And um, I disagree with that because they got hit by COVID. That was the bottom line. And they can no longer keep afloat when that all happened. And... I don't think that it, it, you know some of some of that likely comes from Vince McMahon who's pushing that narrative because he didn't want to pay the 20 million that he promised Oliver Luck and it was guaranteed money and that was the kind of money that he had to give him because Luck has a tremendous resume and I honestly thought that the XFL was on good ground. Now this is coming from someone who has actually been on a team that was run during a spring football league and and at times it may seem like it was just a silly show and this that and the other 
But what we learned in the Alliance of American Football while running the Salt Lake Stallions was super valuable as the XFL fired back up. And there were a lot of people that crossed over, went over there, and, and started to give their input to the XFL. And the XFL made clear delineations as to where they realized that the AAF had messed up. One of them was securing TV deals with ESPN and Fox. Being able to secure TV deals is a big part of what the Pac-12 commissioner is able to do. Oliver Luck has a good relationship with those people. I think that weighs in his favor. He has good relationship with sponsors, the kinds of sponsors that the Pac-12 will need in order to generate more revenue. One of the big points when he was, as we walk through his his resume, it's it's impressive. First of all, was a player at West Virginia as a quarterback, played for the Houston Oilers from 1982 to 1986, got into coaching in the World League, the European Football League, was a coach uh, or general manager, I should say, with the Frankfurt Galaxy for two years and then went back uh, after that where he was a general manager with the Rhine Fire, and then he left uh, that position to become the president of NFL Europe for four years, saw that league finally close as it wasn't able to survive. He was an executive with the NFL during the various times of his uh, career between those two stints. After leaving NFL Europe, he was the chief executive officer of the Houston Sports Authority from 2001 to 2005. Now, this is important because this is the entity that got basically every single stadium and arena in Houston built. They built Reliance Stadium where the Texans played. They built uh, Minute Maid Field. Is it Minute Maid? Uh, whatever, wherever it is that the Houston Trash uh, Astros, sorry, mind, mind slip there. Astros play at. He was also instrumental in getting the Houston Rockets arena built and built the stadium for the Houston Dynamo, at which point in time he left to become the president and general manager of the Houston Dynamo, where they won two MLS Cups. He was there for five years, leaves that job and goes and becomes the AD at West Virginia for the next four years. After during which they made a lot of significant changes, including going to the Big 12 Conference after the Big East collapsed. He was the one who installed Dana Holgerson as the head coach after the resignation of Coach Bill Stewart. I don't know if people remember that story. Stewart kind of like tried to, I don't know, eliminate the coaching staff. It was a weird thing, but he managed it all through that. Uh, he was the one who instituted beer sales at football stadiums. That added an extra $800,000 worth of revenue just with a simple move of that. Restructured the compliance office at WVU and got the school off major probation, which I think is a huge, huge deal. And we'll talk about it in a minute. Another big part about it, he facilitated a multimedia rights deal to IMG for 12 years and $86 million, all of it guaranteed. Added men's golf, hired a baseball coach, built a baseball stadium and uh, was just really instrumental in, in transitioning WVU. Now, people will argue that they weren't as good under Andrew or uh, Oliver Luck as they were during the Rich Rod era, uh, era, and maybe there's some reasoning for it. Maybe they really weren't that good under Rich Rod. They were kind of pretending because they were in the Big East, and now that they've gone to sort of the big boy Big 12 conference, things have changed a little bit, and they've had to build up to it. Uh that's one thing to be argued. It's also kind of a misfit geographically to have a Big 12 school all the way out in West Virginia. That's a different story altogether. Uh, he was one of the 13 members unanimous, unanimously chosen by the College Football Playoff Management Committee to select the four teams to compete in the first college football playoff in 2013. The, the 
the first playoff was held in 2015. He was selected back in 2013. In 2014, the NCAA announced that Luck would take a newly created post as executive vice president for regulatory affairs. I don't know why I struggle with some of these words. Maybe because I'm talking too fast, but... This was a position that was created by current NCAA president Mark Emmert as part of a major restructuring of his senior staff. And Oliver was there for four years in the NCAA where he built relationships, everything like that. And in 2018, took over as the XFL, built all that, got everything off the ground and running with that. So if you look at it, if we break things down, he has academic experience as an athletic director at West Virginia. He understands compliance. He has been in the marketing game in terms of building a brand new league and trying to affiliate with different sponsors. He has come up with ideas and made it work to where they've been able to add revenue at places like West Virginia. He spent four years at NCAA headquarters and he has great relationships, I'm assuming, with a lot of people still there, especially Mark Emmert. And if you don't think having Mark Emmert's ear is a tremendous piece to his puzzle or to his resume. Let me just lay down the scenario for you. Anytime any one of these conference commissioners wants to get something done and they need to get it passed through the NCAA or, or whatever, to be able to go to Oliver Luck and say, hey, can you be our mouthpiece? Can you be our advocate with Mark Emmert here on this behalf as we try to make this change, especially with all the NLI changes going through? I think that's a big deal, and I think that's a very, very positive uh, feather in his cap, so to speak. We've broken down his his resume pretty extensively. I, I think there are a lot of good, positive points in his favor. Uh, three kids all attended Stanford, so I mean, his everybody knows Andrew Luck. I think his, his son was a great quarterback, but I think the way he's handled himself, the way his Son handled himself. The fact that his his image isn't squeaky, squeaky clean, but it's about as clean as you can get for that kind of a business. It all speaks very favorably, in my opinion, towards him being a candidate. So if you're out there and on the fence and think to yourself, well, what has he done? He's done quite a bit. And while there aren't specific achievements and or results maybe to point out and say, yeah, he's won six Super Bowls or he's won three championships or he built West Virginia into the powerhouse of the country there are results and and process-based uh accomplishments that i think speak just as highly as any of those might and so as you're going forward and thinking about it if this is going to be the final selection and and we're getting down to the deadline that the conference had more or less set for themselves I, i should say the ceos uh the ceo group had set for themselves to have a successor named for larry scott if this is the name that they name, that's one to be cautiously optimistic about. Now, will he be able to motivate the Pac-12 presidents and, and get everybody on board and make the necessary changes and get all the revenue to where it needs to be? That will remain to be seen. But I think for the most part, he's as solid as a choice and, and as good a name as I've heard associated with the position since it's opened up. So I guess you could say that I'm putting all my money on, on Oliver Luck. And if I had a lot of money to put on Oliver Luck, you know where I'd go. 
betonline.ag, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. There's all the sports going on still in terms of baseball, NBA, NHL. We have playoff action coming up. The play-in games are going to be sick, crazy wild. That should be a fun one to bet. I'm sure they'll have plenty of prop bets over there at betonline.ag. So before the next pitch or the next game, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device. Set up your account. It's very easy. This is your chance to get in the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Use that promo code locked on to get 50% in addition to whatever you would uh, deposit for your first deposit. So if you deposit $100, you get $150 in your account with the promo code locked on. I'm not saying that you should go and put that extra $50 on Utah as a 10 to 1 favorite to win the Pac 12, but I'm also not not saying it, as it might be the best value pick out there right now on betonline.ag. Again, this is betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Wrapping up a middle of the week episode for you here on the Locked On Utes podcast. Things are kind of quiet right now on the doorstep of the University of Utah football program. They did lock down a commitment from Tavion Thomas. I don't know that we will see a whole ton of commitments in the next month or so because the big recruiting season will start in June. That's when the dead period will officially end. As far as recruiting goes, official visits can be going, taking place. And so a lot of staffers are, lo- are likely out on vacation right now, working remotely, maybe working from home. I talked to one source within the program a while back that said that that was one benefit of the COVID era was that they learned that they didn't have to go into the office every single day. They could do the meetings remotely and get the work done just as easily as if everybody was there. I wouldn't count on Kyle Whittingham to be a huge remote work kind of guy. I'd heard some rumors that even during the uh, the early parts of the pandemic that he was the only one that was allowed to go into the office and work out of the facility that's the benefit of being the head coach. Uh, but, you know, they, they've found some ways where they can do some of these things and, and allow those guys to spend some time with their families and spend some time, you know, decompressing a little bit because it's going to be a busy summer without a doubt. This really does change the recruiting schedule. While they're normally able to get a lot of recruiting done in the spring and, and early winter, this shifts it all to summer and fall. And so it's going to be a very long run for a lot of these programs. And so they're likely taking their time to get rested up, get ready. You're, you're going to see some tidbits here and there. You may see a commitment or two from some potential transfer portal prospects, or maybe from some of the recruits that they're already in on in, in terms of local guys or things of that nature. Uh, we'll always keep you updated as those things unfold, but the big bulk of the news will be coming in June. We'll, coordinate along with those news and notes and and, and some fun countdown stuff is this is also the 10th anniversary of Utah's admittance into the Pac-12 so all that will be coming up this summer another bit of news the University of Utah today will take on Utah Valley at Smith's Ballpark that game is at 6 p.m. first pitch 6 p.m. at Smith's Ballpark should be a good one Jalen McLaughlin will take his Pac-12 leading 20 stolen bases into this game and hopefully rack up a few more, go home with a stolen base title. That would be really cool. Utah is coming off the sweep of Northern Colorado and a previous victory over UVU where they won 9-1. So should be an interesting game to watch. I'm going to leave things at that here on the Locked on Utes podcast. Thank you for joining me. As always, tell your friends about us if you can. You can follow us on all the major podcast platforms. 
I've been told that the Apple issues are resolving themselves. So if you want to get in there and rate us hot, highly and rate Apple lowly, that would be great. Uh, in the meantime, stay well, be well, do well. We love you, Utah f- friends and family. It's always a great day to be a Ute here on the Locked On Utes podcast here in the Locked On Podcast Network. This has been the Locked On Utes podcast for May 12th, 2021. And we'll talk to you again on tomorrow.